you know, a lot of generation of marketers that, that probably came in the same time as me, as me we literally put 100% of ourselves into Nike. Um, I, I really, truly believe that. I mean, we, you know, it was eat, sleep, and drink, swoosh, all day, every day. Okay, Les is, yeah, Les is getting on. Les is getting on? All right, awesome. Can't wait. It's, uh, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Les! There we go. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> How we doing, man? Good, man. How are you? Good. It's been a long time, Jesse. Oh, it's such a good, it's so good to hear your voice, man. It's been, yeah, too yeah. long. It's good, to, it's good to hear your voice, and I see your voice on the, the, the display, so it's nice. I know exactly when you're yelling. <laughs> oh, man. So you're doing good, Les? I'm doing excellent, man. I could not complain. Things things couldn't be better. Oh, that's good to hear these days. Sorry, I need to turn off the Slack notifications so we don't have a metronome throughout this audio. Oh, I hear you. Uh, it's, it's the like new Pavlov. way of communication. Yeah, man. It's like Pavlov's dog's whistle or something. <laughs> uh, well, hey, man, I this is John. So I appreciate like you giving us some time, man, being able to be a guest with us. I mean, this is, you know, we're, as we were talking to people, your name came up and, you know, it was just a, someone that we, we felt like you were the right person to speak with. I, I appreciate it, man. It's funny. I, as I started to look through the list of guests you guys had, it was like uh, that TV show, This Is Your Life, Nike Life. Because <laughs> literally, I think like almost 90% of the guests are somebody that I literally worked directly with on the same team, worked for, like, and, and it was almost in sequential order too. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I guess the good, good people kind of just like stick around and like run in the same circle. So it's good. Yeah, I mean, all the guests that we've had, we've had like direct relationships with. And it just made sense. I mean, you know, like everybody's so just a good human like yourself. And we were just like, we have to do this. I mean, everybody that we've worked with so far has been amazing. And um, like, I, like I said, your name came up and it just made sense for you to be a guest with us. So we're excited. Nice, nice, nice. I'm so, happy to be here. Awesome, Les. Thank you, man. So, um you know, if you listen to some of them, we kind of like just start out the conversation, just trying to get a little bit of context on, you know, how the collegiate career began for our guests. And if there was any sort of early vision um, during those college years around, you know, a path to Nike or maybe that being a goal at some point. So do you mind maybe kind of taking us through your college journey and anything that kind of led up to the decision making around maybe even the schools that you chose? Yeah, well, you know, um, I, I went to school in Atlanta. I, I went to see uh, Clark Atlanta University, uh, historically black college and university. Um, and when I got there, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just was going to college because I was watching a different world and it seemed like a fun place to go and there were girls there. So like that, that, that was why I went. Um, and then after a couple of years, I started to realize, OK, I, I know I want to, you know, major in business, but. A lot of it seems boring. So I took a couple of advertising and marketing classes. I finally nailed like, okay, I want to work in marketing. Um, but I was thinking about it very traditionally, CPG companies and what have you. Um, and I was living in Atlanta at the time. And there was a time, it could have been either right before graduation or it might've been the year after. I can't remember exactly, but like Battlegrounds, uh, which is one of like the big Nike basketball activations came to Atlanta. 
And I was there just hanging out as a consumer, like people go to Nike events all the time. And I ended up striking a conversation with a guy. And if I'm not mistaken, um, I think it was Drew who used to work in basketball, but I could have that wrong. But anyway, I met this person and I thought they were there like as a fan and they're like, no, I, I work for Nike. And I was like, oh, you, you design shoes? They're like, no, I work in marketing. And that's when the light bulb went. I was like, oh shit, you can work at, at Nike and not be a shoe designer. <laughs> so that was like when the light bulb went off. So in the back of my mind, that was like immediately was on my list. And so um, I, uh, I worked for the Georgia Power Company, which is probably like the worst marketing job you can have, like right during my last year and after school. Uh, and so after I finished that job, I didn't want to work behind a desk. So I started doing like experiential marketing tours all around, um, ended up landing a job with my friend at his agency. Uh, and their only client at the time was the truth campaign. Um, I don't know if you guys know that that's like the tobacco awareness campaign. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was a really fun job, right? Because a, we didn't have a product to sell. We were changing behavior, but we were using, you know, all of those elements and touch points that, that I was into at that age, right? So art, music, sports, um, you know, we sponsored the Amon basketball tour, the Vans Warp tour. So it was like really, really fun, really, really engaging. And, and it was like, I felt like I could be my authentic self. So I loved that job. Um, start, did that for a few years. Then I actually became, uh, went from the agency side to the client side when I became a brand manager at the Truth Campaign. Um, so I moved to DC started doing that, um, started working not only in experiential stuff, which is where I started out. Now I was doing TV and radio back then and started our digital presence with like a MySpace and a Facebook page, if you can believe that. And um, I was really having a great time and really falling in love with this industry. Um, but I was like not so into nonprofit and I wanted to like just work for bigger and better brands. So I actually decided to quit my job um, and go back to school full time. I found a program in VCU uh, called Brand Center. Back then it was called Ad Center that had like a creative brand management degree. Um, and, and I just figured that this was going to be the best way for me to focus on innovation and creativity and kind of land at the brands that I wanted to. So I kind of took a little bit of a different path, like midway through my career, I decided to kind of quit my job and go back to school full time. Um, and that's actually where my Nike relationship began because you know, for whatever reason, that year, the summer of 2008, we had recruiters, Nike recruiters come to, to Brand Center to recruit. And I don't know if they've ever been back or if they had ever been there before that, but it was like really serendipitous. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know if you guys know Janelle Aker. She was in recruitment back then. Um, Jen Jacobs, who was in recruitment back then. But like I started developing a relationship with them and they were really positive and like, hey, we think you'd be great here. Um, started connecting me with people. So I was like feeling really, really good about myself. In fact, I, I stopped looking for other jobs, which wasn't a good good thing to do. I was like, hey, I got this relationship with Nike. It's, it's fine. That's my path. Um, and so I actually was, was making some real good progress. And I started to, I got an interview scheduled to be for, for a brand manager in Nike basketball. This is like maybe around February, 2009, I got this thing scheduled. And then I remember the day that my uh, my interview was scheduled for was when the when the reorg back then of 09 got was, oh, was uh, employed. Oh, that's right. So I literally the time and came and went for my interview and nothing happened. So then I literally called the number, you know, six four five three, called the front desk. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, yeah, I have an interview scheduled, and I, th I think the guys must have missed it. So I'm calling them to 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 talk. 
And they're like, yeah, those those people don't work here anymore. So, <laughs> oh my god, no way! I, I was devastated. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my peers who all have their portfolios and their resumes together, and I've been like putting all my eggs in the Nike basket. So it was like a a shot to the system. So I started scrambling and like you know figuring out, hey, I'm going to graduate soon, and I need to start looking for jobs. And so I, I got my my stuff together. Uh, and then as I was about to choose like another job. Nike called and said, hey, we know that, you know, you were slated for an interview. We had a reorg. We want to offer you an internship. And again, I'm like in my 30s at this point, you know, I have a wife and kids. And and I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to take the risk. So I actually did a post-grad internship and came to to Portland in the summer of 09 to work uh, in Nike basketball. Um, and so th- that's what I did. And, I, you know, I fell in love with the with the company and the campus and you know, at first I kind of had my head down and then I started like, you know, really networking and making good connections. So it was like a beautiful, beautiful summer. And that's like, I think was like the the end of it all. And I was like, this has got to be a place I want to work. So at the, uh, at the end of the internship, there weren't any jobs, but I made some good connections, went back to New York, which is kind of where my family was based at the time. Um, and was just doing freelance stuff. And then in October of that year, I finally got two offers on the same day got an offer from Adidas to be a brand manager on Adidas Originals, which was like, I went back to school to be a brand manager for a company like Nike or Adidas or Beast by Dre. Like that's literally what I was, my plan was. So I literally got what I wanted, but I also got an offer to uh, be a strategic planner at Wyden Kennedy in Portland working on, on the Nike business. And so, you know, the practical areas in me was like, you know, I'm going to sign this Adidas offer letter. I wanted to be on the brand side. That's what I got. And I did it. And man, I could not sleep that night, tossing and turning. My wife is like, what is wrong with you, dude? And I just, I couldn't fathom the idea. So I literally woke up the next morning, called the recruiter, an HR person, and, and with uh, rescinded my offer. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah it, was, it, was, it felt like a dumb move at the time, but something in my gut just told me it was the right thing. I, you know, in my mind, I figured, hey, I went back to school and Nike's where I want to be. I'll just work on Nike from an agency perspective. And then, uh, you know, maybe one or two years down the road, I'll make the transition because I, I saw people had done that. So moved to Portland, January, 2010, uh, started working at Widen, you know, working on a bunch of different campaigns. I was right there on 13th street, hopping into a zip car, driving up 26, like three days a week, presenting strategies and, 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 and briefs. Um, and everybody was like confused because they saw me there and they're like, oh, you, you got a job you work? At? I was like, no, I work for Wyden. And they were less like, oh, okay. Um, and then after a while, like in these meetings that I'm presenting, people were like, oh man, you should be here. And so what I thought was going to take two years took like four months. By May, I was at Nike in 2010. And uh, my first job was an MDP. So it like, it all happened really fast. Wow. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean rescinding an opportunity with a big brand like Adidas is is huge, right? And 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 going with your gut and saying, you know what, Nike is the place for me. I'm still going to go with it and this is the avenue to go go with like and and being able to toss and turn it and make that decision and I mean, that's that just takes so much courage. I mean, I'd love to kind of kind of go back and, and and talk about like I know you briefly stated it's like you just it was in your gut, but like was there any other anything else? Because it's because I'm a big believer of serendipitous of like how things go in your life, and, and it's just going the way it should. You just don't realize it until later. But mm-hmm. like, 
what was that like? I mean, what there's got to be more, right? Like, I just feel like it was just beyond the tossing and turning at that point. It, it was, you know, it's because like most of the times, you know, when you're making a decision about what job you want to take, it's a little bit of a leap of faith. Like you understand from the company, from doing research, from meeting the handful of people you meet at the interview process and maybe some friends and stuff that you have there. Um, that's the normal decision-making process. But this was a case where I spent literally three months in Portland, taking the match to campus every day, you know, going to the bow to play hoops at lunchtime, sitting in meetings with people like Jackie Thomas, you know, Anthony Abernathy, Jabari Hearn, like, and so it was like, I started to really understand, you know, what the Nike family was all about and those people and, and what the brand meant to them. So it was a bigger decision than just, you know, what the job description was or what the salary was on the offer. So that's what made it really tough. And, uh, one other piece that's a little bit funny, like during the interview process for Adidas, it's probably one of the like top five embarrassing moments I've had in my life. Uh, I, I interviewed partly in, in Portland and partly in New York. And literally in one of the Adidas interviews, I was like, you know, having a great interview, killing it. And then there was a moment where I meant to say Adidas, but I actually said Nike in the interview. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and so the first time, like, I said it and I kind of caught myself and I don't think it was noticed. Five minutes later, it happened again. Oh. And so the person literally stopped the interview and pointed out, was like, wait a minute. And so, you know, I had to like backtrack and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. Like I spent three months there. Like it was just, a, you know, Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> but then I still got the offer. So in my mind, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not sure if this makes sense. <laughs> like, if, if my unconscious brain is literally replacing the word then maybe i need to uh maybe that's the decision i need to make <laughs> oh man oh, wow. it sounds like there's a lot of signs that really led you in that direction yeah um so i just i have to ask did you say that you were in the mdp program when you started i was yes yeah, so my first my first permanent job at nike after i left widen was mdp marketing development program um from what I understand, like, I know Trevor was really instrumental in starting that program. It was kind of a mimic of what happens at CPG companies when they take kind of high potential talent and they, like, rotate them through a bunch of different jobs and geographies and to kind of get, like, a really wide base and, and, and footing uh, in, in the company in a, in a short span of time. Um, and I think, you know, the first MVP program, which was many years ago, I know a lot of the, like, Nike marketing OGs. You know, Simon Pestridge, Stephen Lennard, oh, yeah. Ricardo Gaitan, like uh, a, a bunch of people were, were in that. So I think they rebooted it kind of right before I started. And so within a couple of years, I was in like different geographies, different jobs over a two year period. So I started out in sportswear, working for Mark Patrick um, uh, back in 2010. Um, I did a, a stint in North America athletic training. Um, which I think also was Mark, actually, because I think he changed roles. And then Jabari. Um, and uh, there's another role I can't remember. Oh, it was in uh, it was a back in sportswear for digital. And then my last rotation was a mega rotation working on the London Olympics, which was like a dream come true for me. I wanted to work on the Olympics at Nike. Like ever since I was a kid, I grew up in L.A. So when the Olympics came in in the 80s, like Nike took over the city larger than life, like sports was on a huge stage so that like that feeling was always like you know something I wanted to be a part of so luckily I was able to make that happen while working on the, the London 12 Olympics so that was like my last MDP rotation 
and that's like the best rotation. I because I, I'm a, I agree with you, Les. Like just because Olympics, I'm a little biased because I was in the field as well with the Winter Olympics for myself. But like that Olympics specifically, I think we were known for the the Volt colorway, and I think it was because mm-hmm. of you and the team that was just instrumental in that that colorway was the first of its kind, and being able to see that in athletes was like huge, you know, and so. Yeah, it was great. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. Um, I, I will admit there were pros and cons to it, but like working on the Olympics and those great athletes and, and, and helping to tell that story for, for, you know, athletes during that time was great. Being able to be in London and be a part of that energy and, um, and, and really be face to face with athletes in that space was really, was really cool. I think on, on the flip side, it was a, it was a huge lesson for me because I don't know if you guys remember, but one of the, one of the tricky things about that Olympics is we had so many things that we were talking about at the time. We had the greatness campaign. We had digital sport. We had, um, you know, like all of these different elements that we were talking about simultaneously. And it was definitely a lesson that, you know, sometimes being focused is, is, a, is a better way to, to reach consumers. So we had some cool things that cut through. Um, like greatness was an amazing campaign and like really hit home. But some of the other things that were, important to us didn't really connect as well because we were talking about so many things at the same time. Yeah. Was that when we did the game on world stuff? Oh, absolutely. Because oh. <laughs> oh, I was, yeah, I was on the ground floor of the creative and everything just got trashed and we had to start over completely from scratch with like Andy Walker and, um, yeah. you know, all those guys. And yeah, that was, I mean, obviously like Trevor Edwards, you know, like marketing genius, but yeah, I mean, his ability to just take the work that you had done and completely make you start from scratch was just kind of incredible at that point yeah. in time. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was an era. <laughs> so um, just going back to the MDP, I mean, it sounds like with all the things that you were with all the different teams that you were working with, like what like for people that don't know, like specifically like the timeline with each of those stops, like how long were you embedded with those teams before you're moving on to the next rotation? You know, they, they say between three and six months. I think most of mine were probably between four and six months, um, which, which is good. It was just enough time to like. You know, you get one season under your belt, so to speak, one quarter. Um, so you can kind of go from start to finish or at least see all parts of the planning process. It's enough time to build some rapport with the team uh, that you can kind of like rely on that relationship and that connection when you go elsewhere. So, yeah, it was it was a, it was a few months. And um, again, I was lucky to just have really, really good rotations uh, in the places that I wanted to work most, which is like sportswear, Olympics, uh, North America, athletic training. It was like. I had a tailor-made MVP rotation, so like I, I can't complain at all. I, I, I had a, uh, I was, I was really lucky. Hey, Les, with that program, did that include um, having opportunities in other geos? It did. You know, um, my experience was was in was only in between global and North America, but some of the other MVP alumni, if, if I recall, had some great opportunities to work in China. Um, maybe in other cities in North America, uh, and I believe even Brazil. So there was a little bit of uh, ability for, for folks to get some real tangible geography and even territory experience by going through the program. Awesome. And so you landed in sportswear after all that, correct? 
I did. Yeah, I landed in sportswear. I guess that would have been September of uh, 2012, uh, working for Gino as he took over uh, Nike Sportswear, which was, again, its own huge transition and like seismic shift for, for the company as we started to really get behind sportswear as kind of the, the backbone of, of the company at that time. And um, really from an apparel standpoint, because I, I, I went to sportswear thinking I was going to work on sneakers and I'm a sneakerhead. So I was like, this is perfect. I'm using my skill set. And then when I got there, it was like, actually, no, you're going to be working strictly on apparel. I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, back then, uh, I mean, we've made a lot of strides. I don't think Nike apparel was the, had the same cachet and positioning it does now back then. Um, I remember like one of my first things is I was like doing just down and dirty image searches for people, anybody that was wearing head to toe Nike. And I think the only person I could find was Eminem at that point who was wearing like baggy Nike sweatsuits. Um, <laughs> so uh, that, that idea of bringing a more streetwear slash sportswear vibe to the apparel was, was a huge shift. And, you know, basically my, my, the biggest project I worked on for those three years was Nike tech pack and launching that. Um, which kind of had a retro vibe because obviously Tech Pack as a small capsule had been launched before, but like turning it into this huge mega franchise focused on technology and innovation and high price point sportswear and leveraging athletes in a new way was was a huge, huge departure and like I think a huge um, a huge benefit and, and a huge reason why Nike Sportswear had the growth trajectory that it did at that time. Yeah, th that's come up on uh, the podcast before, just that, that body of work and just the direction creatively. And I know that you mentioned Gino, and he was definitely synonymous with that and, and helping to bring that to life. And just the, the breadth of athletes that were brought into that, you know, the penultimate athletes um, within, the, within the brand were a part of that campaign. And, it, and it, I mean, it lasted for like several years, right? Yeah, I think it probably lasted for five or six years. You know, I was on board for the first three. And, you know, one of the reasons I think it was so successful is because it was, you know, one of the first times I remember us having like a really defined direction and sticking to it for more than just a season or a year. Um, it was a very specific point of view. The creative did evolve to not you know, have it be stale, but it was still within the same wheelhouse. And so uh, that was definitely driven by Gino and, and Scott and um, and Remco and the rest of the team and and even Gary at a certain point. So um, I think sticking to that that structure and that that positioning really was was really a um, a reason why it was so successful. And man, you want to talk about fun? Like shooting all of those global athletes all over the world, getting to know them, and you know getting them excited because they, we were using them in the way that we hadn't really. You know, we were using like fashion style photography and really focusing on their lifestyle. So it's like shooting Rafa in Mallorca, you know, Neymar getting shot in LA and Serena and Paul George in New Orleans during All-Star. It was, it was amazing. It was like, uh, sorry guys. Um, it was amazing just to be on that journey and like have this huge, uh, you know, roster of athletes that were behind the product and behind the campaign. Well, I remember that so well, too, because like I remember it was the first time I think that year, too, like everybody was all hands on deck, no matter what category function that you were <laughs> in. It was like everybody's focusing on tech pack. And I think it was that's what kind of like you said, started like the the success of like apparel, because it was like that one focus and where we would go as a as a brand and tell that 
like genuine authentic story through the lens of the athlete. Um, so I love that. Like we also ask like with your experiences during Nike, what was the, the leadership style like for you? Um, you know, cause we've heard from some other guests and they, they've given us like some great perspectives of how they were led, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you were led and what you learned um, during that tenure at Nike. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, um, as I said, I feel really lucky because, you know, most of like eight or nine out of 10 leadership experiences that I had were, were really positive. Um, I had, you know, leaders that both uh, took the time to, you know, really coach and, and give direction and sort of mentor, but also give, you know, some autonomy and some room to um, to grow and to challenge and to make mistakes. And so it was, it was a really balanced situation for me, for, for most. I think I had maybe one or two situations that didn't feel um, like that and, and maybe felt different. But I remember people that I would hear maybe stories of that they didn't have a great leadership experience with or maybe didn't have a great relationship with, but that I did had a totally different experience that was way more positive. So, um, yeah, I mean, the thing about Nike is like it, it, it's always been super competitive. Um, it's always been super, I think, um, ambitious, you know, in the way that, that leaders kind of push. So I think if, if someone doesn't really jive with that style, that's always going to be a little bit uncomfortable. But I think if, if you're if you're up for that and you have um, if, if you can kind of manage that, then it, it, it's it, it's probably a little bit better off. I wanted to ask you less. Um... You know, like my history at Nike, I was almost I was there for almost you know twenty years, and I was in Jerry Rice, and I probably didn't move more than like fifty feet from where I started. <laughs> um, and you were in South Africa, you were in Mexico, you came back, and I'm always like curious, like there, that happens a lot to folks at Nike, right? They get moved around into these different geos and territories, and what was that like? I mean, you talked about your family, and you know you've got kids and things like. What was that experience like once you were moving into these new roles that re required you to head into these different countries? Yeah, I mean, wow, it was really interesting. The first thing I would say is, man, I, that that little alcove that you guys had on that first floor, of Jerry Rice, was like the safe haven. Like it was like <laughs> it was like Amsterdam. Like nothing mattered if you could make it there and just hang out for a few minutes. Like it was like the the safe space. So I, I, I miss that spot, man. <laughs> I miss that spot. I love it. Um, but, but yeah, it was, you know, I, I kind of, because of my internship and the few years I spent at Nike, I knew that part of, especially being in marketing, could lead to some really dynamic movement and travel and, and, and relocation. So I was, I was always up for it. Um, so as I was winding down my sportswear role uh, with Gino and, and, and Tech Pack, I kind of was raising my hand like, hey, I'd love to have an international experience. I think it'd be good for my growth and development and just change my perspective. And so in my mind, I just knew I was going to EHQ and moving to, to, to Hilversum. So I was just like mentally planning for that. And, and then one day, uh, Gino connected me with Simon. He's like, I want to talk to you. And he talked to me about this role in South Africa, leading the Nike Africa marketing team. And I swear to you, without even thinking about it for 15 seconds, I was like, yep. <laughs> wow. just, oh, you know, some, some things just click automatically and you know when you hear something that's going to be 
a good experience. Now, now, granted, I had to come home and, you know, discuss with my wife and make sure that she was on board. But in my mind, I'd already made a decision. And, uh, you know, I always have like a connection to the continent, uh, you know, just kind of being an African-American person growing up in the U.S., you kind of always um, have a, a connection to the continent and, and always researched. And, and obviously the U.S. and South Africa have some some interesting parallels and similarities and, and connection points through, you know, civil rights movement versus apartheid. But um, I, I went there sight unseen. I'd never traveled to the continent. I went there once uh, a few months before I moved just to kind of like figure things out logistically. But it was it was definitely the most transformative experience I've had in my life. And, you know, seeing that like a company where you can work and facilitate that is pretty amazing. Um, it was interesting because it was a great leadership opportunity for me. It was leading a really big team at that time. Um, just getting uh, a different point of view. It's like, you know, Nike's obviously a big global brand and has a lot of awareness, but you'll be surprised on how it means different things to different people around the world. Um, if you think about Nike, so Nike was not selling in South Africa before apartheid. And apartheid, you know, didn't dismantle until the mid-90s. So they didn't have the benefit of all of that stuff that happened in the 80s with performance running and the Olympics. And so for many people in South Africa, Nike was just a, like a sportswear brand, a lifestyle brand. And so that was different for me coming from the U.S. to South Africa and, and the rest of the continent, knowing we had to like really establish ourselves as a performance brand, which was a, which a different challenge, but, you know, an interesting opportunity. And obviously with all the great amazing athletes that exist in, in, in many different countries on the continent. That was a, that was a really fun uh, challenge and a really fun task for us to, to take on. Man. And with, with like, as you guys moved like from Johannesburg to then an opportunity, it sounded, it looks like Mexico city. Um, what was like, what was the culture like, even though it was Nike and it was a different team, different geo, like, what was the culture like there and how did you guys adapt to that and build your team within to continue moving forward with like that one mission that you guys always had? Well, it's really interesting because obviously just, you know, city to city and country to country, the culture is very, very different, um, which is obvious. But I was surprised that even with those differences, when you step into the walls of the office, there's still a whole lot of similarities, right? Like there's still you know, that Nike feeling that you get when you're in the South Africa office in Johannesburg or, you know, in the Mexico City office in, in Mexico City. And obviously there's a lot of differences, but I was surprised in how much of the same energy existed and the same types of personalities and the same types of challenges and the same types of like celebrations. It was, you know, somehow, you know, Nike found a way to export some of that that special sauce and that that intangible spirit that that somehow made its way across the waters to, to all these different places. So that was that was really surprising. I think the the main sort of thing that helped me is you know I came in confident that I had sort of the background and experience and expertise of being on campus for a number of years and kind of knowing how we do things from a Nike perspective and a brand marketing perspective. But I was also open enough and sort of like. Uh, inquisitive enough to make sure that I didn't let that override everything because you're in a different place. There's different cultural norms, different consumers, and I just balanced those two. So I brought my expertise and, and know-how and Nikeness when I needed to, but 
the times that I needed to just sit back and, and listen and, you know, let the team make a decision and kind of let me know how it's done. I, I was able to balance those two. Awesome. So Les, you know, you, you talked about this, the, your beginning, starting with the MDP program, you're, you're in these different geos, you're kind of working your way through, you know, the leadership ranks. Um, and as you're transitioning from Mexico back to campus, um, into a senior brand director role, were you feeling like at that point, like that was the natural path that you were on, like the right track? Did you feel like you were looking for other opportunities at that point in time? And just in terms of like your leadership capacity and what you thought you were capable of doing, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, as I was in Mexico, you know, initially I, my plan was to be there for probably two to three years. Um, but, but sometimes timing is not always on your side. And, and my daughter was about to be at the age where she was going to start attending high school. And she really wanted to attend the same high school for four years. And so as those two things started to kind of come to a head, I kind of had to make the decision to leave a little bit early from my, my international assignment and kind of come back to, to, to the U.S. a little bit early to make sure that she could have that, that school experience. So when I started to think about that, I was like, okay, so now that I'm going back, what would I like to do? What's going to be beneficial for me? And then also I had the back in my mind that it's, it's going to be coming up on 10 years, like pretty soon. And just what that milestone will mean for, will mean for me. So, you know, I thought I didn't want to go, just go back to a category, regular category brand job because I had I kind of been there, done that already. Um, and I just thought about kind of how the world was changing at that point. And so, you know, luckily I was able to, um, you know, talk to the leadership and really land in a role that was digitally focused and, and direct to consumer focus, because that's where I felt like it would be the most like valuable experience for me and something that I could kind of take with me. And, um, and also selfishly, as I said, like I came to Nike to work on sneakers and was working on apparel and cross category. And so finally working in part of the company that was solely footwear focused was, was actually good. So I, I landed up, uh, I landed in Nike ID now known as Nike by you, which was like, I couldn't think of a, a more perfect landing spot for me at the time. That's awesome. And, and so with this amazing Nike career um, and, and the path that you're going, now you, you've gone to a step forward to doing something different now with Teespring. Um, would love to know, one, what, what motivated you to say, okay, let's see what the next level is for yourself. And then like also what were the similarities now that you see at Teespring and what um, – Differences, obviously, from a business perspective, but how you're bringing kind of what you've learned at Nike to to make Teespring um, what it is or where it's going. Yeah, well, you know, like the thing about it is working at Nike for so long and the different roles that I had, as I said, I've been really lucky. I, I've never really had a job that I didn't want or that I wasn't really excited about. So uh, I've been spoiled in that regard. And so I just wanted to make sure that I always maintain uh the, 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 the idea of doing something exactly that you want to do. So uh, I was loving working in Nike by you. You know, we went through an entire rebrand. We started doing some amazing collaborations and really uh, elevating the, the, the perception and the positioning of Nike ID to Nike by you. People really started to think of it um, in a more premium way, in a more relevant way. And one of the things that we did towards the end of my time is we started experimenting in like this creator commerce world. So we, we piloted this thing called Nike by You Workshop, where we would go to different cities 
have a call for creators and micro-influencers, and we would give them the opportunity to design their own footwear on the Nike Bayou platform with like special materials, you know, special colorways or brand new silhouettes. And then they would sell it to their own communities, their own followers, and they would get a percentage of the profits. I think it was 5% at the time. And I just literally fell in love with that. It was the most fun, the most rewarding thing. And, and it started, the light bulb started to go off in my head. Like, this is where the future is. Um, this idea of exclusivity when it comes to product and sneakers and apparel is going to be democratized. And I think the, the people who are driving culture and creating content, we already saw that revolution happen with media, right? Um, and so I saw it happening there. So I just really wanted to work in that space full time. And, and obviously Nike with, you know, the challenges that, that they were having and, and the needed to focus, um, especially with John Don coming on, I don't think there was going to be an opportunity or I should not think there wasn't an opportunity for me to really do that full time. So I started to look outside of, of Nike and try to find places where that creator commerce idea or concept was existing. And so that's kind of how I discovered Teespring started to reach out to them and have discussions and it just progressed really quickly. They were looking for somebody to, basically build their brand organization, marketing organization from the ground up and actually rebrand the company. And so, you know, for, of all the opportunities and experience I had at Nike, I was never going to have an opportunity to do that. Nike is one of the, if not the, you know, most successful brand ever. And so there was never going to be an opportunity to rewrite that, that playbook. And so given the opportunity to do that and working in the space that I thought was really, uh, they had had a big future and had a lot of potential it was like those two things combined just made it the right decision for me. So that that's when I made that leap of faith. No, that's respect. I love that. And I love what you were doing with Nike, obviously with, with kind of that process of like creativity and giving exclusivity to um, the creators. And, and, and it's, I, I see a lot of brands today following that kind of format, which, which is like you said, is the future. So Love that. Yeah, I, I totally think that that's going to be the future because, you know, the technology uh, and and across the board, like when it comes to just on the on the digital side or even the manufacturing side, it's just becoming more um, decentralized. So it's, those opportunities are going to become more and more easy to take advantage of. So um, the fact that I can play in a space that's enabling creators to take more ownership um, of the process is something that I'm, I'm super keen on and, and, and really proud of. Les, um, I'm going to ask you a question and you can definitely decline if you don't feel like comfortable, um, answering, but like my, I left the Nike the week that Mark Parker left. So I liked, you know, that was just sort of this transition point for me. And also wow. I think for the company, um, and you, you mentioned John coming in and I'm just curious because like, you know, you were, you were there for over 10 years and you're kind of, you see this culture with Mark and then you see this transition with John and you kind of, you kind of speak, you kind of spoke to the fact that you didn't think that there was going to be this potential um, with Nike by you, you know, once that transition happened, can you speak to maybe the differences that you started to see in the culture potentially, or maybe why you thought that that wasn't going to be something that was going to be a strategic focus for the company at that time? Yeah, well, I think, I, I, I think John definitely came in with a specific point of view and 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 had like a, a specific task that was kind of laid out for him. I think everybody saw that, like we needed to become 
uh, an e-commerce company, and we weren't right. We we weren't at that time. We were still very much wholesale focused, and I think he came in needing to probably over-index on that on that aspect and kind of swing the pendulum the other way, which you know comes with its own you know challenges. And so I I don't think you know I don't even think it's been long enough for maybe the culture that he will eventually establish to really settle in. So for me, it was more of just less the culture and more the focus. Like I think he came in and, you know, with the, with the, the, the direct offense and, and all those evolutions to that, it was more about focusing on uh, a few things that the company needed to do to, to really accelerate the, the growth uh, trajectory that they wanted to hit. Um, for me, when I think about cultural shifts, I think about, uh, more when Trevor left, uh, and 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 even as you know uh, a black employee at Nike, just thinking about kind of that being a mile marker in my head and what it meant, and kind of just reassessing like the leadership uh, that existed and 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 where your champions are and kind of where things are going. And so I, for me, there was definitely like a little bit of a shift after after Trev left and and what that meant for me and. Um, I think it just kind of just it made more real the the starkness of, you know, nobody is is going to be here forever. Um, and, you know, uh, you, need, you need to consider like the cultural changes that are going to eventually happen, like wh- whether naturally or, or by force. But, you know, the, the, the Nike that we that I knew from 2010 into 2020 is not going to be the same Nike. And, and, and maybe it's not supposed to be. But I think it definitely was one of the factors. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's, that, is, that is true. I mean, I left three and a half years ago, so I saw the, the cultural shifts a little bit earlier before Mark even decided to, to retire as well. Um, Les, so we usually ask our guests as well, um, you know, if what kind of advice could you give this younger generation that's coming in full of creativity, full of uh, – technology and opportunities and, and they know they want to work for a brand like Nike or maybe even Teespring or any other brand, what kind of advice could you give them as they're either coming out of school or there's, they just started their early career or even maybe, you know, the, the, the generation that's, you know, after working many years and they want to try something different and, and be able to be a storyteller? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think and the funny thing is my advice to them is different than I would give the advice to myself back when I was in their same shoes, right? Because the world has changed a lot. And so what I would say is that I think now I really feel like the word balance is important. Um, and, and I'm not talking about a work-life balance, but I'm talking about the balance between developing as a marketer uh, for yourself and, and then for your brand or for your company. I think you know, a lot of generation of marketers that, that probably came in the same time as me, we literally put 100% of ourselves into Nike. Um, I, I really, truly believe that. I mean, we, you know, it was eat, sleep and drink swoosh all day, every day, um, you know, even from a marketing perspective. And I think now you see a younger generation that still is as passionate about the brand, but, you know, how they are able to contribute as a marketer, or even as a creator is, is more balanced. Like people are doing things um, to develop and, and to create content and to make their mark, whether it's a podcast or a, or a t-shirt business or a small social agency. So they, they can develop and sharpen their skills 
and and really kind of develop as as marketers, not a hundred percent within the context of Nike. And I think that's one of the things that I think this new generation is probably better at. And I would give them advice to continue to maintain that balance because um, I think it's important. Like, you know, when you go work for a company, it's an exchange, right? And I think that exchange needs to have some balance. So what you give uh, needs to be reciprocated by what you get. And, and, and I think that, that that balance is probably what I would focus on. I love that. So, you know, you had mentioned that the advice that you would have given yourself would be different. You know, if you could go back and give your younger self as you were, you know, at VCU or, you know, coming through up the ranks, like if you could go back and give yourself some advice as you were kind of, you know, hustling, what, what would that advice be? I think two things would be um, one, uh, take the time to enjoy the ride. Um, as I said, I had an amazing career, an amazing time, my 10 years at Nike, but I didn't always take the time to really soak it in and enjoy and take advantage of how awesome and amazing it was. Um, and the other thing I would say is, you know, be a little bit more, um, be a little bit more uh, adamant about um, injecting uh, a different point of view. Like, I think sometimes because of the environment at Nike and the allure, sometimes it can create a little bit of false harmony where everybody's kind of kumbaya and on the same page and, and sipping the Kool-Aid as they say. And I think there were times when um, it probably dis like warranted the different point of views, being able to create some positive tension and necessary tension to kind of get to different spaces and bring in new ideas and new ways of approaching things. And um, I definitely would have done more of that and uh, maybe that's one piece of advice that I think is probably still relevant um, for, for today's generation. But I think um, that's something that I could have benefited from. And I was able to do some of that, but I, I would have done it a lot more. Oh, man. Awesome. Well, I mean, I feel like I could always talk to like our guests, specifically you, Les, like all day. Seriously, I think you have stories all day. We could totally talk about just <laughs> everything that we've all gone through. Um, but I'll ask one final question. Um, where do you think the future of Teespring is going? I love everything about it just because it's it's different, unique. Um, and, and where do you see the growth coming from? Um, man, it, it, there's, there's so much opportunity there. So uh, one of the things is like obviously investment in brand, which we've been doing over the last few months. In fact, we just launched our new website yesterday. And uh, on Monday, we'll be going out with our more uh, – more visible push and we're, you know, rebranding. So um, from Monday on or from today on, we'll be called Spring. So we've changed our name, logo, website, everything. So um, I'll send the link to you guys so you can check it out. But it's, uh, you know, the, the opportunity is so, is so vast because there's so many people every day, every month, every year coming into this creator space. Uh, I mean, you guys are a prime example of that. Um, you guys have probably been creators the whole time, but now you have this tangible output in this community and this following that really you're able to engage with. And so there's just so many more people pouring into this space and, you know, being able to enable those people to, you know, connect and engage with their audience and monetize their following their content is just a huge opportunity. And I think, you know, leveraging all of our great platform partners like YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Twitch are going to be, you know, um, enable us to really do that at scale. And so um, when you think about 
you know, I think it's like 50 million people a year come into this space as, you know, what they would consider creators and, you know, the ability to help them really, you know, monetize and make careers and make a living off of this is, I just think something unimaginable. I couldn't have imagined being able to do that many years ago. So um, I think that the, the, the opportunity is in how many more people come into this space. I think the opportunity is to do that around the globe where not everybody has the opportunity to do that. So international expansion is a huge opportunity. And, uh, and yeah, just like focusing on giving people the tools to like basically bring their ideas to life. No, I love that, man. Man. So cool. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, it almost felt like we're it almost felt like we're in that little uh that little room in Jerry Rice. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> With the snack. It the was Yeah. Got you know I mean? some drinks <laughs> in the fridge. Oh man. I think when you guys were in Jerry Rice, I was probably in Ken Griffey. Almost the same thing. <laughs> so. I know. You were so close, John. <laughs> so close. I know. I know. It was like it, it was hidden, but it was in plain sight, which is what I love. <laughs> Les, dude, it's so good to hear your voice. It's so good to catch up. Thank you, man. I'm so excited for spring. Um and uh, the work that you're doing with the rebrand and everything, um, we're excited to just keep in touch and see how this thing grows. Most definitely. Yeah, but, yeah, man, I appreciate you guys inviting me. I love what you're doing. I, I think it's perfect. I think, you know, that that Nike alumni is a very, very special group of people. So uh, I think the the idea that you guys can have those conversations with those folks and glean those insights and just have those conversations and talk shit is like, the perfect, perfect thing to do. So I, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, one day we'll have to, you know, when things are uh, in a different place, we'll have to get all of uh, all of your guests together and, and see what that all-star cast oh, looks yeah. like. Oh, yeah. Oh, my that God. That's awesome. 100%. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, dude. Awesome. Les, thank you. Take care of yourself. Um, we'll talk soon, man. All right, you guys take care. All right, care. man. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.